be in our kingdom. We need to make the adversary shake. That's right, not us. Breitbart published a report about an LGBTQ activism group lobbying schools across the country to observe 20 new queer holidays. The proposed new holidays include International Pronoun Day. We'll exclude that here. International Transgender Day of Visibility and Celebrate Bisexual Day, just to name a few. And what's worse, let me tell you who's paying for it, sponsoring it. General Motors and America Corps. Public school enrollment drops by 1.4 million students, posing financial challenges to big cities. No wonder. People are trying to get their kids out of some things. Oh, and poor Joe, more classified documents are being found. It'll be all over the front page of maybe one little newspaper. But God, our God's on the move. I'm not sure where all we're going, but let me tell you, we're going. And if you're going, Angel, get behind me, we're going. Just be ready. I, I believe I'll read this scripture and then we'll go some other places. We're going to start with Matthew uh, 4.17. But Jesus Christ has come on the scene. He's been baptized, filled with the Spirit. John the Baptist has been arrested. Say seasons are changing. Let me tell you, seasons are changing here. Seasons are changing in your life. Everything keeps changing. Just when you think you've got it all your ducks in a row, something happens, huh? But it's supposed to be working for our good. And there's some of this stuff I know I question. But is the king still on the throne? Does he not know about it? He knows. Seasons are changing. Roles are changing here. Everybody don't want to stay in the game. Everybody gets a chance. But everybody doesn't answer the call. Few, everybody's called, but few are chosen. I'm telling you, it's, it's happening. From that time, that's when Jesus shows up. He began to preach. Oh, and I left out. His 40 days in the wilderness. He defeated that adversary. Oh, and he did it one other time, didn't he? On the cross. That's the everlasting move. I mean, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. 
in the boat with Zebedee their father mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee. He started in his home area, didn't he? Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among people. I think that's interesting, and you, you may have heard this before, but the way he called. I mean, Andrew and Peter were fisher, fishermen. I mean, they, those four were. But they were casting nets. They were more evangelistic. James and John were mending their nets. They were the fixers. John was the great apostle. You know, there's just so many stories in Scripture. But let me, let me, I want to change this a little bit. We've talked a lot about, and we have a picture, big picture on the wall back there, a photocopy of a facility called an apostolic center. And we've talked a lot about an apostolic center. We've talked a lot about a church. I have a video this morning I want to show you that shows a lot about an apostolic center. Then we'll come back to this. So, are you ready to show it, Lee? Okay, thank you. I have, he and I met each other at Fuller Seminary exactly 30 years ago. He just came hold that just a minute. Signs and Wonders with John. That is Peter Wagner, a great man of the faith. He's introduced and brought probably as much change in the Christian world as anyone. And Peter would usually, now he's just going to introduce a man. He's gone to be with the Lord now. His wife's still alive. But he would stand up when I've heard him speak, and he'd say, uh, he'd un take a little piece of paper out, and he'd say, do you, do you want to hear a joke? And he'd always read it. So do you want to hear a joke? Now this could be a, an oaky, but I heard it as, as a blonde, so let me tell it. This blonde in Los Angeles wanted to fly to Toronto, so she gets on the plane. She's, she's not in first class. The flight goes along. She sees an open seat in first class. She goes up there and plops herself down. Stewardess goes to her and says, Ma'am, you didn't pay for this ticket. You paid for back here. You've got to move, and she wouldn't move. So they report it to the captain. captain says, I'll go handle it. He goes back and he uh, talks to the lady, explains it all to her. But you know what? She wouldn't move. He couldn't move her. He goes back in. The co-pilot says, let me handle it. He goes back and he talks to her just a minute. She gets up and goes, sits down, back where she was. Captain said, what did you tell her? He said, I told her first class didn't go to Toronto. <laughs> go ahead. 
John Wimber. So I said he went through an entire paradigm shift, and now he and his wife, Kim, lead, lead the uh, Freedom Outpost in Valdosta, Georgia. And so the Freedom Outpost is a growing apostolic center. He might tell us something about this, but he has an incredible, incredible visual introduction to what an apostolic center is. Let's welcome Stephen Johnson. You hear me okay? Okay. I want to thank Peter for having me here, Chuck. We're aligned apostolically with Chuck and Peter and Doris. Um, we did create something called the Freedom Outpost. Not be before we'd heard that there was a word from Chuck about that. It had been prophesied over us. And uh, so we walked that out. Got the website incorporated as that and then began to work in things not knowing what we were really doing as far as being an apostolic center But that's become apparent two years ago and three months a friend spoke a word over us when we were trying to figure out what what we're doing and um, That has been percolating and materializing now over that time and that was in the year I in bait 5772 the year of the house and new vision and I'm bringing it to you now. We've kept it kind of quiet because I believe this year of the door, God's bursting it forward. And in this way, where it says there, where there is no vision, what? People perish or the people cast off restraint. Vision, often if you ask somebody about a vision statement, that's where they'll go. They'll give you a long phrase or something. I think part of the challenge we've had today, particularly with men not being there, is we've lost the, the image part, the actual vision. We've gotten lost in a sea of words, and we need to see pictures. So what I'm going to see, encourage you to do a lot is actually going to be looking at the screen rather necessarily than me, because it's this which imprints, okay? If you go back and look at the Hebrew and everything, that word about vision is about what you see. It is about prophecy. It's about getting that visualization in a quick way, because when someone asks you, what's the difference between a church and an apostolic center, how quickly are you going to be able to express it? And God dropped this into our laps two years ago. So let me just show you. When we go to pictures about our identity in Jesus, oh, I forgot to put my timer. I get 10 minutes is all to do this, okay? Because Peter said, how long do you need? I said, I can do it in 10 minutes. Well, okay, I'm going to be challenged. Lots of great images in Scripture about who we are, that we are his craftsmanship. Indeed, we are his sheep. We are, look at the child, right? We're a child of the king, Okay, we are the salt of the earth. We're family. We are joint heirs with Christ. Okay, we are an ambassador. That's a seal. Okay, we are in the army of God. Okay, there's the bride. That has some weird things for us. We know it's about the church. We look at it individually. As guys, we often challenged with that a little bit. Okay, but when we look at people and say, what is the church? This is sort of the default image that comes to mind. And then you ask people, and who, who are those that go to church, and this is what we get? <laughs> yeah? And you know, this was a model, and there's truth in it, but it's too limiting. And so most of the people, when we went down into, into Georgia, we met wonderful people, good Baptists, Presbyterian, Methodists, Charismatics, Pentecostals. This is still a large part of the identity. So church was a place that you went. And then you had a poor rundown shepherd who's trying his, just breaking his heart trying to care for all the sheep, trying to keep them from button heads and biting each other. And then when they go out the door, trying to keep them from being devoured by wolves, right? And so you teach on how to keep your coat clean, how not to shed on other sheep, right? Okay, there's a lot of things. It's, 
It's well intended, okay? It really is, and it's from the heart. And a lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into putting those structures in, but this wasn't adequate. And we started talking to people about things of warfare and how to fight that, about the seven mountains in culture, about moving in the times and seasons and aligning with the Lord. We started talking about one new man, and they're like, one new what? Okay? We started talking about five-fold ministry, and Robert will do a teaching tomorrow that, that I've seen before that is phenomenal because, again, it's a parable. It lets you see what it is. But none of these were able to capture for us then a visualization of what is the body moving forward? What is this new thing? So I was on a phone call with a, a friend of mine, Jerry Hardis, and he said this, you're not like some institutional church. You're more like an aircraft carrier. People fly in and get what they need and then fly out to their appointed spheres. So here it is, prophetically, this is it. It's not stuck, it's not stationary, it's not limited by four walls, it's not a holding pen for sheep. Instead, it, it carries the heirs of the kingdom to do the work. And so it's armed and it's an agile platform. The word platform is really important. And it's moving the heirs. And because it's moving the heirs, you know what that makes it? It makes it an aircraft carrier. You're getting this, right? And it's for one reason, to project the power of kingdom. It's not about just protecting the sheep. It's projecting the power. An aircraft carrier has the ability to take the airs and see the power of the kingdom projected way out there. And it survives for the airs. It is to facilitate and give them a place to land. And I'm going to just show you briefly what that. By the way, this comes from a Northrop Grumman ad. I'm going to show you what the bottom caption says. 90,000 tons of diplomacy. Because here's the reality, where you have an apostolic center, where you have an aircraft carrier, you are pressing out that into the territory, and it affects the entire thing. Okay? You realize that it shifts the atmosphere. So I've got to pick this up. Let me give you some points here as it goes. Okay, it is most flexible platform that they have in warfare. It goes where it matters, when it matters, into harm's way. We're no longer about keeping everybody safe. You have to be willing to go into harm's way to take the tough stance to project the power of kingdom. It's a ship of war, but it has a mission of peace, of shalom, of wholeness. You're getting this, right? In this model, by the way, every person has a mission. And every person is armed and dangerous and is baked into their DNA. Okay, we want to come and bring that out and perk that out, help them identify it, help them develop it so they're walking in their mission. It's a platform for those who are already sent. Do you get that? There's a sending aspect, but they've already, the reason they're showing up on your carrier is they've already been sent. But they're in need of alignment, of support, of training, of fuel, of repair, and intel on the battle. This all comes together in the carrier. Now, how do we still, oops, sorry, how do we still function? We're still doing the worship. We're still doing prophecy. We're still ministering. But we keep this clear about what's happening when people are together. So, briefly, this is what happens every week, and it's happening to you right now. This is an aircraft carrier, agreed? Yeah. Right now. 
you came in to land, you know what that's the most terrifying, hard thing to do? My guess is there are a number of you who aren't here. How am I speaking to you then? But anyway, because you had problems landing. It's the toughest part, the level of warfare that goes on. So you land, you find a place. By the way, that landing, it takes place with a tail hook. It is deep into the core of you, and you choose. You've got to move because it's moving. And you find it, and it connects with you. Then, of course, some of you land well and some not so well, and we have to hose you down. <laughs> then, of course, there's a lot of us need repair. It's an ongoing basis. You're in a battle. We expect it. Of course, you've got to be recalibrated constantly. You have to regain the mind of Christ. Then you've got to get fuel. You've been getting fueled. You've been getting recalibrated. All that's happening even now while you sit here. And then we're going to have to be rearmed. This is giving you another armament for the battle. But it's specifically to the mission that you're involved in. And then you've got to be briefed. You've got to know the times and seasons, the weather report, what the enemy's doing. All that kind of intel comes out before you are launched. And then the launch process itself is a combination of two things. One, there's the force within you from the fuel that's basically a controlled explosion that's waiting to happen. And you're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. That builds up until the catapult, which is powered by the strength of the carrier, that catapult can throw an SUV one kilometer out into the sea. That plane cannot take off on its own. And the catapult won't work alone. It's combination together. That plane goes from zero to 165 in two seconds. And with that, you take off to your assigned mission. Because we don't have enough pastors, teachers, prophets, etc. to do what they got to do. We need the body doing that for the harvest. And then, of course, you've got to maintain an open comm, the communication, because all that intel is coming through here, Chuck. A lot of it is coming through. What's going on with the enemy, the battle, the times and the seasons? That's being communicated. The, the carrier's in contact with satellites, with AWACS. There's a lot of intel going on that's connecting in with those that are out on assignment. So we keep that open comm so they don't just go off onto the horizon to never, never. So this cycle goes around and around and around. And each time, it's the same process. The landing, the recalibrating, the refueling, there's repairing going on, the briefing, the launching, and the open calm. And it's hosting the presence of God is where that happens. Okay, a couple other things. Course changes with a carrier are expected. You're expected to be in motion. You know the only way you can get a plane to take off is they turn the carrier into the wind into the resistance. So those changes, the new missions and assignments are anticipated, they're not fought. There's not that resistance. You're aware that it's gotta happen. The tur turnover in the crew is normal and expected. We have to stop getting possessive about the people God sends to us. They're there for a time. I don't own you. You're owned a kingdom. I'm getting flashed one minute, so I'm walking through this fast. You're assigned for a time, and it's expected. Bless you. You bring your gifts, your abilities, your skills. You pour those out. You get the training. You get the understanding. You're going to see the fivefold, how that works. Then you may have to rotate out. It's good. Bless you. We have a lot of people that come to us, and they're still very active in all these different churches around the place, and we want them moving in that for it. Okay? We've got to get more and more of this cross-pollinization that's happening. And then this is important. A carrier never goes out alone. It's always part of a carrier strike group. In that group, there are at least one cruiser, two destroyers. There's a submarine, supply ships, and there's an admiral on board. Those will represent other ministries, businesses, 
other alliances that you have, you're working together. There are some that aren't supposed to be carriers. You have to embrace the other model that's out there. Okay, so here is the picture. Okay? Now, let me tell you, the truth of the matter is, those sheep can be those planes. And that structure can become that carrier. Not everyone is supposed to, but if they want and they have the heart, Elaine's going to talk to that. That transformation has happened. It shifted. But let me just caution this. Please, this is about a commitment that you must take. Oh, go back. Sorry, went up there. This for us was not a sermon, it's not an ant campaign, it's a functional identity. When we meet together, we call it the flight deck, and there's a picture of a carrier because we want them constantly aware this isn't the main deal. This is to get all that you need so you go out and do the main deal. We're an aircraft carrier. You're projecting that power out there farther beyond. So, a couple quick points, functional key. We do, this tells people why we do, why things change, why people come and why people go. We got to get over the get people going part and that why we are ascending center. So, an aircraft carrier, and by the way, with a huge contingent of angels. A freedom outpost, we found this out later, scared the tar out of me. I didn't know that part of what we were dealing with was a massive contingent of angels that were assigned. They're some of the craft that are on that aircraft carrier. This is part of an image. It's a new parable for a new wineskin. So when people come and say, well, what do you do? And I say, well, we're not like an institutional church. We're like an aircraft carrier. People fly in, they get what they need, recalibrate, refuel, repair, they get briefed, and we launch them back into their mission because that's where it has to happen. Okay? That is awesome. Give a shout. Woo. That's in Chuck Pierce's show. I love show. it. That's him. Oh, praise God. Good job, Stephen. Thank you. What a team. Now you know. We're moving. You're on board. If you're not a good swimmer, just stay on board. <laughs> Two seconds, and you're going 165 miles an hour. That landing part, it's hard for people to make a change and come in. You know God wants you to do something, and it's hard to go start it. There's a battle, because there's a battle against it. There is the adversary. Back to the scriptures we read. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Yes, we need people to get saved. That's why we preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is still the way, the truth. He's the only way. People need to be discipled. 
Yeah, we, we all say we want to be a disciple. We want to do what Jesus did, but people do not want to pay the price to become a disciple. You will not spend time doing what Jesus did. It takes time to get the Word really in you. You're, you're, you're as secure as your foundation in the... In, you're secure in your salvation will get you to heaven. But to be what God wants you to be on earth, you're going to have to get a foundation of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in your life. That, that's a disciple. And, and listen, disciples show up. When there's a meeting, disciples are there. You know why? It says if you're hungry and thirsty, you'll be filled. You can go to a church, this church or any other church, you can hear the worst sermon you ever heard, and you can get blessed because if you're hungry and thirsty. So don't put it all on me. You got your ears open? Do you, do you want what God wants for you? I'm not going to force feed you. It's up, it's up to us. No one can do it for you. We know you can't save anybody. I can't save anybody. But we can point him to the one that can. We're to be the example of what he's doing in the earth. They should be asking us, how do you do what you do? And you can share your story. Lord, we take up the cross and follow you. We want to be Holy Spirit disciples following you. Are you in the game? There's some today. They're not in the game. It's news time. Jesus came proclaiming, preaching the kingdom of God, and people saw their, their need for salvation and discipleship. He just walked by. He had enough anointing and say, come follow me. He didn't twist her arm. Come follow me. When you get out of your business and walk off and follow him, that's what they did. They got out of the fishing business. They left Zebedee there. Zebedee, you can run it. We're, we're going. We see something on this guy we want. And listen, he's still the same. He's not a guy. He's still our Lord. But he's still who he was then. He is what we need. Everything you're looking for in your life, it's in Jesus. It's not in a better job or another spouse. It's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. It's not you just making more money is going to satisfy your needs. You'll just be buying another storage building and put your plunder in that's a big problem in america look at all the storage places around are you on the team most pastors most of we pastors are trying to build a church jesus came building a kingdom that takes a while for we pastors to get that straightened out because we want, we think success is a big church. Success is what God wants to do in and through you. Success is a progressive realization of worthwhile predetermined goal. That ought to be to be like Jesus. That ought to be our goal. But see, it's just easier for me to seek Jesus 
to get the answers I need than to seek Jesus to want to be more like him. And that's the key, to want to be more like him. If you're more like him, you'll have what you need. See, if I, if, if I could answer your every need, all you'd need to do is just be my friend. Because if you're my friend and you really had a need, I'd help you. We heard Bobby Connor Wednesday night, and he said God, he, he got taken to heaven. There were some big doors, and they showed him. Well, the angel said, who are you? Why are you here? And a voice come and said, he's a friend of God. Bobby began to cry in that. Lord, don't we want to hear God say he's a friend of mine? I've told you this before. Dixie had a cousin that every time I called her, I knew she wanted me in some multi-level deal. I just got tired of taking her calls like that. I wonder if God looks at us that way sometimes with our request. And yet he says to ask. I'm not saying it's wrong to ask. But we've got to know who we're asking. It's not, by the way, I don't have time, but I do need this. Give me 50 and I'm gone. You know, or, or excuse me, 500. Building a church or building a kingdom. There's a big difference in that now. That, that would change Christianity in the earth if... We pastors would just get that figured out. Jesus established the ecclesia, a governing body that we call the church. <clears throat> it takes a church to be an apostolic center. But shouldn't, shouldn't every church be an apostolic center according to what? See, that, that's my revelation in it. Whether you call us a church or an apostolic center, it's immaterial. And Jesus Christ is our admiral. But it's a place. But it, it takes a core group. It takes a, a people to answer the call to be the church. I mean, it would just be easy to have a building and just open it up and say, okay, we're an apostolic center. But it takes people to do that. And I, I pray you get what you get, what you need, and you can go out this week, today, and, and be who Christ has called you to be. See, that's what's wrong with the church. We're not taking it out of the walls. We've got to be who he is everywhere. And, and a group of pastors cannot do it. I've worked. 30 years as part and most of the time led the ministerial fellowship. We meet once a month. We met yesterday. I had 12 people here. That was six churches out of probably 30 in town. Now, there are some other pastors that weren't here that normally they're here. And, you know, I understand a particular day doesn't always meet everybody's schedule. But it's hard to get everybody on a team to want to come together. And I, and I tell them, We've got one focus here. It's not a doctrinal meeting. It is to honor Jesus Christ. 
when we first started, we had home groups. And I asked T.D. Hall, who was helping us, I said, but what about these leaders and their doctrine? He said, your doctrine's not as important as you think it is. We need the word, but we need a relationship with Jesus. But it's easier to fight over what you don't believe and I believe than it is to just focus on Jesus. Dixie still likes chocolate pie better than I do, and I like pecan better. But we've made it 65 years. Come on. <laughs> There's some things you can agree on. We agree on a lot of things. And I'm not going to... I had lunch this week with a brother. And some. he said, I know you look at this different than I do here. But you know what? I could call him today and get anything he's got but his wife. He's a friend. He's a friend. You've got, let me, let me tell you this. A pastor told me this this week. His wife said, he's a young pastor. This lady's probably been out of college 15, 20 years. She said, in the sororities, I could go back and call some of my sisters and they'd be here. She said, I don't see that enough in church. And isn't that a shame? That a worldly organization has more stick to it than a blood brother or sister does. I mean, that's a rebuke to the church. And I mean, he wasn't talking about our church. That was just a fact she was making. She was in a conversation with someone who had been in the military. And they'd had a friend call him, live seven hours away, and said, I, I, I enjoy talking to you, but I've got to put my eyes on you. I'm driving up to see you. That's some worldly commitment. And see, we've got a blood covenant with the king of all kings, and he's put us all together. And we're all different. We've got different personalities and vocations, and that's all by God's design. So wh wherever we go, the gospel of Jesus Christ goes, whether we proclaim it or not. But that's what he wants to be. That's why I think every church should be an apostolic sending center. Our church mission statement is still Luke 4, 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to proclaim release to the of recovery. and Open the eyes of the blind to declare the favorable year of the Lord. That's our mission statement. It's not to make them just like you. It said the Pharisees, they wanted to make a disciple for themselves. Listen, there's people... You run into every day, there's been people here. They want to make you their disciple, not his disciple. You better be his disciple. That's, you know, I, I've heard the story told by Billy Graham and, and another famous brother, and he, this drunk comes up to him and says, I, I'm one of your disciples. And he said, you must be. You're obviously not Jesus' disciple. I mean... He is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and an apostolic center is a body of committed believers fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, but first, their commission, your commitment must be to Jesus Christ and then committed to each other. That's why I love that story that I've heard that the lady told it. She just talked about how she knew she could call a sorority sister and they'd be there for her. And, and that's just, that's a rebuke to the church. I know I quote <clears throat> Galatians 2.13 a lot. I love that scripture. For it's God who's working in you to will and work for his good pleasure. And then uh, Galatians 4.19, they're both written by Paul and the Holy Spirit. And Paul told the Galatians, my children with whom I again labor, and he used the term labor like a woman laboring to deliver a baby. My children with whom I again in labor until Christ is formed in you. I'm putting those two scriptures together. For it's God who's working in you to will and work for his good pleasure until Christ is formed in you, in us, each of us. That's what God's doing. It's him working in you. It's easy to blame everybody else. Let me tell you, you, keep, you just snuggle up to Jesus and he'll change those obstacles. He'll change those people. He'll change those people that, look, that you can't change, those you've tried to change and can't change. I've tried to change Dixie. I'm sure she's tried to change me, but she's prayed more probably about me. But we can't change one another. But Jesus will change them. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. You be that one. You be the one that pays the price that wants to be who he's called you to be. Jesus came to win back what was lost in the garden. And let me tell you, he won. He won. Everything you need's in him. The only holdup is in you. It's in you. We can blame everybody else. You can blame your job. You can blame Sky too. But it's, it's back on us. As a Christian, you will never accomplish what you want unless you first give your all to Jesus. And that's so easy to say. But have you really? Did Jesus Christ not give his all? Every last drop of blood, you talk about leaving it all on the mat, he, he left it all at the cross. And a cross is a place of death, but it's, it'll be a place of life. You can go there, and if you'll die to you, new life will come. And that's what it's about, of letting Jesus be who he says he is. Why don't you, I dare you, just say, Jesus, here I am. Do what you want to do with me. Take this mess and make something out of it. Lord, we're just availing ourselves to you. We want to be that apostolic center you want us to be. Just stand up.
Somebody just give him praise. Give him honor. Come on. If you can't learn to praise him in here, you'll never praise him out there. Come on. Some of you guys need to learn to pray out loud. Just bless Jesus. He's holy. He's wonderful. 